Hey Warriors and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I do hope you had a great week. Mine was actually pretty good. We did look at a few houses, two of them. We were kind of disappointed about how good the pictures looked, but the house did not. However, the third one, we are actually considering it. We are double checking to make sure it will fit our budget, that it could be a good situation for us. So, you know, today, if you want to pray or, you know, anytime you can, you know, that it, God just make it very clear this is a good choice for us and that things would just happen to come together. It'd be really neat. But if there's another house, it'd be great. But this one, uh, you know, it has a, has a good vibe for what we're looking for. So anyway, this week, I actually want to kind of prep us to kind of get to the point of talking about lust and the sexual battles that men deal with. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be doing like a bunch of episodes for that, but definitely I think I'll probably at least do two. But right now, I think we need to kind of talk about a little bit with a better understanding of sin. Today's episode is, is it okay to sin under grace? You see, there's a lot of a lot of concern that I have for many Christians today. And it's not because we don't sin. <clears throat> it's because there is this mindset that I've been noticing in churches today that coincides with the current progressive push today that makes sin seem petty or like less valued to be concerned about. I don't know how many times I've had discussions with people about their church, well, actually not necessarily their church, but the idea or the imagery of church that they have in their head and how many times we've actually expressed how many times sin is talked about. Just recently met a man who actually said, actually, to be honest with you, I don't think it's actually been preached on. I think he, be I believe he said six months. Which then, you know, puts in my head, okay, six months since the pastor of the church has really talked about sin. Why? Those are some of the thoughts I want you guys to think about. Why, why is it that sin is actually less talked about? You see... Some churches also steer at the perspective that Jesus basically changed the law or took us away from the old law into this new law. And it's like all about love and, and no judgmenting anybody, judgmentalizing anybody, not, not calling people out that we're supposed to like, just be more accepting because if we just love people, that will change people. This is bad theology. Christ didn't just love people. He confronted people. He told them to sin no more. Anybody remember what, what he said to the lady at the well? He didn't say, oh, well, you know, go back to your man and, and it's okay. Live the life that you live. Just remember who I am, Jesus, and I love you. 
He told her to sin no more. If we were to take that in, what does that actually mean? Right? It means she doesn't live with the guy most likely, or she needs to break up that relationship. She needs to get married, whatever it may be. But to stop doing what she was doing before. Okay, now let's go back to where I want to focus more on, and we may actually focus that on another episode. The imagery that we have to remember is that Jesus came to fulfill the law, which now we can go and we can look at Matthew and we remember Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It talks about how we're supposed to love God with all heart, soul, and mind. And then, then the second is like it to love our neighbors ourselves. Now, if we were to go further into the Old Testament, because now it's like, how does this relate to the Old Testament? Well, Old Testament, we know the Ten Commandments, right? Exodus 20. If you were to go to Exodus 20, you would be able to read all ten. But here are the ten in a synopsis type of way. One is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Number three. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I want you guys to realize I'm stopping there because those first four laws are about who? They're about God. If you think about it, if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, would you not keep those four vital into your walk today? If you love God first, you're going to not be against him. So you're not going to use his name in vain. You're going to respect the day of Sabbath day or keep it holy. In other words, keep your life holy. Because remember, today, using the New Testament as our basis, right, of understanding for grace time is that our, our, our bodies have become the temple of the Lord. So that means it's not just on one day. That's every day. Uh, you're starting to think about that now, aren't you? It's not just one day, it's every day. We're not supposed to have other images other than God, or no graven images of any other God. We, how much do we idolize everything else above God? Because idols don't have to be just a statue you have in your house. It can actually be things in your life that you have placed above God, and that includes family. And that includes the, the woman you love, the guy you love for you ladies that are listening. You see the correlation connection here? First one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. How many times do we worship other things better than we, than we actually should be worshiping God? Because we actually cherish our hearts and our selfishness and our bodies and our flesh and our, our desires way more sometimes than God. We become gods to our own selves or we worship other things as like a God. We would a God because we put time, effort, love, joy, everything to make sure that something is more protected and loved and cherished than God. Now it's starting to pop some bubbles and making some waves going on here. And then if we look at the other six, 
Number five, honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. And those are directed towards our neighbors. Isn't that interesting? If you take that in, thou shalt love thy neighbor as you love thyself. You wouldn't want someone to cover your wife or your things, right? You would not want someone to bear fault witness to you, right? You definitely would not want someone to steal from you or commit adultery with your wife or even to you, right? You don't want to kill somebody and you definitely don't want them to kill you. And we should honor our mother and father. There should be that respect and uh, to the authority of our parents by honoring them for doing what they tried to do the best that they could do. Even if they were jerks, you still should learn how to honor your parent. Doesn't mean you go and our friends and buddies and hand, you know, handshakes and all that, because what they did be honor the generation of which you came from, because without your awful dad or mom, you never would have existed. It's just something to think on too. But the idea is these last four or six, excuse me, are about how we treat our neighbors. So did Jesus stop these rules from existing? Did he suddenly redo everything so that, you know, Hey, you know, you know, those were really bad things back then, but today, you know, Hey, you know, you should be, you know, questioning every bit of authority and questioning your parents and treating them like crap. No, should you, you should steal because you know, Hey, you got to take care of your family and family first. And you got to be able to you know if you need money, you may have to steal it to get it. No, you know, it's, it's okay to like, you know, you're married and there's nothing that could defile the marriage. So it's okay to peer at other women or lust after other men's wives or, uh, get into other things you shouldn't be doing. Right. No. And I could keep going with all this stuff because there's, there's connections to all of this. Okay. So Christ did not tell us that it's okay to remove all those laws because he came. However, I do want to make an understanding. There is in Leviticus, there's all these rules and laws. Like in there, you do know that if someone committed adultery, they took them out and stoned them, right? You do know that a child who disobeyed their parents could be taken out and stoned, okay? You know that there's a lot of stories like we know uh, when Israel was out in the wilderness, they were, they were to destroy this whole nation, by the way, that meant women, children, and animals, and not take anything. And there was a gentleman who decided to take some of the treasures and buried it. And God knew, and he had Moses do, it was like this kind of like a voting lot system somehow that finally the spirit of the Lord directed him to that family, to specifically to that gentleman, and his family. And do you remember what the consequence was? It wasn't a slap in the hand. They took him and his whole family and his animals and stoned them to death. You see, obeying God, following the rules, sin itself was not taken lightly back then. But then why is it today different? 
Why aren't we stoning people? Why aren't we doing all these laws that Israel, because you remember that was directed towards Israel to create a governing law. Well, one, understanding the image of grace as being forgiven for something you don't deserve. So in other words, those laws, we deserved what happened to them. We deserved it. Because God is a holy God. A just God. And I think the difference at most is these were more of a direct, like you stealing directly stealing is why there was a crime for it. Just like today, if you were caught stealing at a store, you have to go to court and go to prison. Back then, you could be stoned, exiled. Mostly, you probably would be stoned because they didn't take it lightly to disobey God's commandments because they understood that the commandment was of God's voice. The importance of his voice was just why we call the Bible God's word, his voice saying this is wrong. And this is the penalty for that wrong the consequence. I would say we are probably pretty lenient in how we treat criminals these day these days, but it is also good because as a Christian our desire should be redemption. It doesn't mean that once they are saved and they got their life right and they're not making these bad choices that they should just be allowed to do whatever they want or be put placed into leadership in the church or be placed into responsibilities that could tempt them. Because like I always tell people, if, if we're going to go after those that are not walking the Lord in the image of marriage that's in scripture, then we should also be going after the adulterers, the people who are liars and stealers that are, that are known. We let them kind of slide because those we look at that those sins as not as bad as this sin. And we can't be doing that. So I always tell people, hey, let's think about it. If you knew someone had a problem of stealing, would you place them in a position that's an authority of money? No. If you have someone who's struggling with lying, would you place them in a form of leadership where they, t they can lie about anything? whether it's by what they're reading in scripture to their life's choices. Would that be a good example of a leader? No, especially to children. You see, there is still going to be a line by which we have to understand that sin in itself is still just as deadly as the sins that are done in the Old Testament. It didn't change sin. Sin didn't become lighter. How, then why does it feel like it's lighter? It's because we, we as the Christian culture have created it lighter and two, the culture has changed a lot too. So it makes it easier for the Christian pastor or leaders or religious groups of our Christian culture to make little uncertain sins versus others. Because if you notice, no one really preaches the fact that 
boyfriend and girlfriend's living each other, not married. Well, they've been together for seven years, and I know they're a civil union, so go civil union yourself by the government, but that's also a new thing. That's not a biblical thing. I want you to understand that. That is not a biblical thing, because the authority by which we are under is the law that says you and, and, and I, when we meet that person and we try to get married, we're supposed to go and license ourselves as married. So why do people struggle getting married today? There's a lot more freedom that comes from not being married by being individuals instead of a couple. And we got to look at it from the Christian perspective. Now, why would that be like that? Well, me personally, I would say it's because to create a world that's acceptable for any type of gender or union of gender, you have to make the nucleus system of marriage not be that important. Which is why we have that push where love is love. And, you know, if they love each other, why are we to get in the way? Well, if you were to take it from the perspective of biblical morality versus cultural reality, in the cultural reality, they can do whatever they want. If they don't want to obey God, they are enslaved by the world. But from a biblical perspective, this is not okay. And if we're going to stand on the pulpits, if we're going to make Bible studies, if we're going to speak up for on behalf of God through, through the scriptures that were taught, then we need to also preach and teach it from that perspective. So I encourage you, if you're listening and you are dating someone and you're living with them, you either move out or you get married. If you are in a relationship for more than five years, seven years, go get married. And you have kids together, go get married. God will provide everything that you will need because you are honoring him. And this is why it goes back to the concept. We are not going to be living like the Old Testament anymore because Christ died for us. And therefore, we have this law that he has provided by fulfilling the law through grace. And we can we can follow him and, and love on, on him and have faith in him and do what we're supposed to be doing because we honor him by obeying the word, by living out the word, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Because you remember the Holy Spirit indwelled in us and now our, our bodies are the temple of God. So Sabbath day is every day. We're going to take a really quick break and continue on on this discussion. I'll see you right after. Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half. As we continue, we're going to be uh, talking more about can we continue to sin after knowing grace by accepting Jesus? 
And I'm going to say right now, straightforward, no. Okay? We're not supposed to be sinning. It's not okay to continue in our sin even after we accept Christ. It doesn't make grace stronger. It doesn't make it better. But we sh we are going to struggle and we're going to have this time where it's, it may be like, man, I just, I'm down. I'm, I, I just, I, I, I'm having a hard time fighting this. And this is why I always go back to the understanding and the importance of having men and women's ministry in churches. It is outright the tool that is absolutely needed for accountability, for courage, for strength, for prayer, because women struggle with their own issues and men struggle with their own issues. And sometimes it's not comfortable to be throwing it across the aisle to each other. Hey, I'm struggling with this sin. Hey, I'm struggling with this sin. When it's better to do it with women, with women and men with men. And this is why the whole trans movement that's going on right now with all this suddenly people wanting to be opposite, it's going to cause mass problems because the women biology that God created them to be in the men's biology, the way they've been made scripturally speaking, it's not going to be the same issues. There are similar issues, but not the same issues. Men's mind and heart is not dictate the way they walk the same way a woman looks at her life and her struggles and other men will be able to work with other men to help them stay true but it also comes down to the nit grit understanding that men are men and should be leaders and should be you know providers not in the sense because if you want to you can listen to my episode on providing it's, it's providers because God ha that is your provider. Like you are leading your family and understanding that God's going to provide what it is, but I'm going to provide what I need to provide. Anyway, so the idea is that we can go to Romans 6. Romans 6 is where this is the essence of probably this whole episode needs to be behind. Romans 6 alone by itself starts out. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? For far from it. In other words, no. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized in his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through the baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Key thing, it is a newness in life. It is basically not being enslaved anymore by sin to now live in the newness and life in Christ. This is why it's very, 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 very important right now to understand that if you have accepted Christ, there should be a desire in you to not sin and the sins that you're struggling with. You should not be comfortable in just continuing in that same sin. There should be a desire to break that chain and to allow Christ to clean that out. That is why David talks about so much about 
you know, clean in me a new heart, O Lord, where he talks about, you know, make my mind not be so hateful against my enemies, but Lord, fight on my behalf. You see, there is a lot of imagery when you read in Psalms that you can get a clear understanding of why David is a man after God's own heart because he chased after God's heart. And that is what our desire should be. We should be chasing after God's heart. We should be wanting to be like Christ. Christ didn't struggle with sin because he was perfect. But that means you and I should be chasing after to not be so easily influenced by those sins. And I could tell you this, a lot of it is accountability. A lot of it is the atmosphere you placed yourself in. That means the stuff you watch, the games you play, the hobbies you do, the time you spend in God's word, time spent in prayer, time spending with other men believers, time spent at the church wanting to learn. So you're not just a hearer, but you are a doer of God's word. So hearing someone tell you, hey, you need to change your life, it doesn't mean anything until you actually do what you're hearing. That may mean your favorite show that has a lot of sexual sexual scenes in there might be a show you shouldn't be watching anymore. That includes the movies. That includes any type of show that is influencing your eyes to be manipulated by women's figures and you're saying oh it doesn't really affect me yes it does it mentally affects you it mentally in your heart affects you this is why i said this is kind of like a prelude to lustful issues okay so that also means even the amount of violence you watch who can affect you doesn't mean you're gonna go running around with your, you know, a machine gun and killing people. But what it does do, it does create like an anger or it can create other issues in your heart and your mind. This is why it's always good to, you know, cleanse yourself. It doesn't mean you can't play video games that are violent because that's the extreme view. The idea is like how much of intake are you taking in and, and thinking it doesn't affect you. Music. Music is a big one. Oh, I love the beat. It's really cool. Yes, but listen to the words, the lyrics. What are they saying? Because like I could tell you this is a song in Fortnite. The song sounds really, really cool. The beat's amazing. But when you go and actually listen to the song, you're like, whoa, whoa, that's I don't know. I don't I don't stand for that. The guy's basically saying, you know, our love was amazing, but I ain't going to change. I'm going to be exactly who I am. And it's like, yeah, we should always be in the process of changing and not changing to be more progressive or new age, but changing like you, you and I guys, we're not the best guys that we can be today. There's always a, a place to improve and grow. And we need to be realizing that we can continue to grow and become better men. Even if you're in your seventies, there's still time to grow. Even if you retired and you've already moved on to your next thing, there's still time to grow. You should always be in the process of being willing to grow, never at a stalemate. Okay, we continue on. Verse 8, it says, Now 
If we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all time. The life that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God in Christ Jesus. He defeated the sin, the consequences, everything that we are super concerned about, about sin, he's defeated it. Now, however, our nature still has to battle between the flesh and the spirit. Our bodies are always going to be fighting to be me. It wants us to feel lustfully happy in any type of sin. It wants us to be feeding ourselves whatever makes us feel good, whether that's looking at women that makes us feel good, whether it's being you know the hero of the story uh, as we watch a show and movie and a game, whether we have control of our family because we are the king. Because you remember, I have an episode on that. We're not supposed to be kings over our family. We're supposed to be servants and leaders of our family whether it's you know my job working 40 50 hours because it makes me feel important because the people there think i'm important so therefore i'm important instead of being at home leading your family or being with your family you see there's a lot of different avenues that we can take that can describe the battle of sin's battle as we as we understand that he died for us he he forgave those sins but we're not supposed to be continuing in them even though in our minds well i mean working extra hours to make extra money is not a big deal but it can be if you're forgoing your responsibility and and love for your wife love for your kids and care for those that are at home only because you go to work because you feel more important at work at work basically Verse 12, it says, therefore, sin is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. I want you to memorize this verse because this is going to be the most important verse for dealing with your sexual sin for the future one. But any sin, therefore, sin is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. In other words, you let it in. You let it fester in, you let it become part of your body, and you will start obeying that versus God's truth. Verse 13, and do not go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your body's parts as instruments of righteousness for God for sin shall be not be master over you for you are not under the law but under the great under that grace or under the grace do you see this is the part where people are always like yeah but this is what it says around okay so law means we're not under the law of Moses we're not under the old laws that Leviticus has. We're under the law of grace. So in other words, your child being disobedient, you don't take him out and stone him. Someone commits adultery, we don't stone them. Someone steals, we don't stone them. In fact, the whole point 
is desiring them to repent, to form redemption and return back to the fold, back to their families, back to the righteousness with God. You see, they have strayed away from what is true. They have strayed away from what is righteous. And we can't sit there and condemn everybody without giving them the understanding that there is a way to come back or there is someone who is waiting for them. Because I do think there's a lot of people who think they're Christians, but are living their life to the fullest of this world who have never really understood what it meant to accept Christ, even though they may have done the, the, what is it called? the saving prayer prayer that people always try to get people to do when they're kids and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Unless they have truly accepted Christ, there's not going to be that desire of change. I, that's why I always point out it's the fruit. It's a desire of change. If you accepted Christ, your desire is not to sin anymore. If you're accepting Christ and you're still having fun, enjoying the sinful life, there's something didn't happen then. But I also think there's some people who accepted Christ, you know, had a time where it was easier to maintain the walk. But then over time, because of rough life, things happen. Choices that they have made has brought them into a place of strain away. So not everybody who's, who's not, who says they're a Christian who's straying away is because they never accepted Christ. But I don't, I, I cannot say that it's not anybody, but at the same time, I also cannot say that they didn't accept Christ because <clears throat> they may have done it. It may have been sincere in high school. They may have been amazing. They love God and you can see it, but then something happens in their twenties. Abuse. You know, girls raped, gotten drugs, gotten to drinking, failed their classes and got kicked out of the school of their dreams. And now they feel like they're worthless. You see, all of the hat avenues is there's the missing element of discipleship. There's the missing element of sisterhood and brotherhood for men and women to be a part of that. When bad things happen, they have people they can count on. They have the God, not only the God of heaven, but they have people who are also going through the battles of everyday life. And that's where that discipleship part is missing in the church. I know, I know this because when I was in my twenties, I had nothing, no man group to follow or be a part of to help me through it. And I still don't even have one really today. I have a few guys I know that I can call on and reach out to them and they will be there, but it's not the same when you don't have that man brotherhood togetherness in, in the local area that you're at, that, you know, that, Hey, you know, my car broke down, man, I can't get home because we only have one car. My wife can't drive that, you know, a guy in the group goes, Hey, let me ask Will, maybe he can do it. And then boom, suddenly it's like Will's out there helping us getting home. You see, that's the beauty part of good men's and women's ministry. There are people that you can reach out to when you're struggling and you know that they will pray for you. 
They will care for you. They will help you because that's the one memory I have back from New York that I missed. I miss a lot today, but I missed because I was so young, but now being an adult, I can see the importance. My parents' Bible study group was like family. They could reach out to any one of them and they would help them in some way or another. That is the fellowship of the church. That is the service heart of the church. That is the community part of the church. That's why Acts 2.42 through 47 is so vital to see that oneness of God as each of those members of that first church, early church, helped each other and they saw God move. You see, we can continue on. It says in verse 15, what then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Far from it, another new do you not know that the one to whom you present yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of that same one whom you obey, either sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in re relationship. I butchered that. For when you were slaves of sin... You were free in relation to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you were now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. The gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, we're no longer slaves to sin. We are now in the grace of Christ. The Christian culture today spends a lot of time viewing emotion as the key element to understanding God and knowing God, and knowing you're a Christian. This is why the idea of not changing your life works. Because I can go to church and feel good. I can go to church and feel, feel spiritual. I can go to church and feel better. And then a, a day goes by or two, and we're back to our same routine over again. Until the next Bible study, or next Sunday where then we could feel the feelings again. Being a Christian is not about feeling being a Christian. It's about obedience. It's about discipline into following Christ. That self-control aspect of the gift of the Spirit. We need to make sure we are walking in truth, not just being hearers of it, but doers. That is why it's very vital to have that in your head as you live throughout your week. That just because you hear my podcast on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, that's when you feel like, oh, I need to do this. You can't just feel it. You got to do it. 
And just because you go to church on Sundays and you feel good when you're there, but then you still live the life you live, it doesn't change anything. This is why the feeling aspect of the new age stuff that's going on in our churches, the progressive feelings part of it doesn't work. Just a feeling the quote unquote spirit moving is not when God is present with you. He is indwelled in you. He is with you 24 seven. This is why it's harder to be in his presence daily because we think we need to feel God when in fact we're supposed to obey God and do what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live righteous in righteousness. We're supposed to live in a godly life. And therefore the only way we can continue to build that understanding is by building that relationship with God. And that means studying in his scriptures outside of Sunday, outside of the podcast, outside of just doing the Bible study stuff. Spending time in God's word, praying about it, making time to pray with God, spending time with other believers, talking with other believers, talking about the hard stuff with other believers, spending time outside of just the, the canopy of the church, spending time with other believers. That's why it says they taught what the disciples taught. They spent time in fellowship and they served and ate together and then they prayed together. There is a reason it wasn't just on the Sabbath day or on Sunday. It was a, a throughout the week thing. And it works. When you see it, you get to see what's in verses 44 through 47. But it starts with you. It starts with you recognizing if I accepted Christ, am I desiring that change? Because if I am not, Lord, help me to have that desire change. Because if you accepted Christ, there should be a desire for renewal, not a desire to keep sinning, not a desire to keep living how I've always lived. There should be change. And a lot of us who may have been saved for a long time, it doesn't mean we have, we're up all the time. It doesn't mean everything is always going well. When we're struggling, that's because we've taken, taken down our guard. We've allowed our armor to kind of get stained up and damaged, but we've never actually fixed it up. When we put our guard down, the flesh always is always going to be boom, jumping right in. That means maybe we need to spend more time talking with other believers, spending more time refreshing ourselves with God throughout the day. We need to... Maybe even take a day off and just spend time with God. I mean, I, I, I will say this, you know, the best thing you could do for yourself is taking a day off where you're just spending time with God all day. And if you need to send your family away for eight hours so that you could do it, do it. If you need to maybe uh, take go away at a hotel for a day and just spend time in God's word, no TV, no social media, just spending time in God's word, praying, getting away, go to, go to your fishing boat, going out to fishing and don't fish, but go out there and just pray and spend time in God's word, go to the cabin that you might have do something that even invite a bunch of guys say, Hey guys, I'm going to spend this weekend up at a cabin. Would you guys like to come? I'm just going to pray, spend time in prayer you will be super surprised about how many guys will say yes. 
because they are so hungry and wanting to have time with God that they, they're afraid to do it. They're scared to do this stuff and they're afraid to step out and it, it gets away from being, being busy because remember we live in such a busy world that stopping and taking that break is like, whoa, because think about it. When were the times that you probably had fun? Summer camps, the Christian camps that you went to, youth group events that went away, men retreats, women retreats. It doesn't have to be a church doing a retreat. It could just be several, several guys saying, hey, let's just go to this cabin for a weekend. And we'll cook food. We'll, we'll just hang out. We'll just talk about things. That's the beauty of brotherhood. Same with you ladies. Do the same thing. You will be surprised how much change you will see. And that's, that's all I have for this week. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you use this to really impact the guys and the ladies that are listening. Allow them to be change today help them to understand that they can't just keep hearing things that they're supposed to do but they need to be doing the things that they're hearing help any of you guys who are struggling to find other men who are believers who are strong believers who can help them who can keep them accountable who can be encouragement lord op start opening up these floodgates for these men to be able to find ways to serve you to love you to grow to get better to see themselves change i pray this in jesus name amen you guys have a great week god bless and i'll see you next time